another edition of the Camera Books Podcast. On today's episode, I interviewed Dustin Mackey. Dustin is a former Army infantry officer who transitioned to a company called Evolution Consulting about four and a half years ago. So Evolution is a business continuity and IT disaster consulting firm. And so for a little bit of the podcast, we just talk a little bit about what that is and what his role in that is. And so he's a managing consultant. And so what does a managing consultant do at Evolution? And, and we also dig into a little bit about his career path. He didn't start as a managing consultant. And so um, what he did when he originally transitioned and went to the firm and, and how he got to where he is now. We discuss, another topic we discuss, um, are the three keys to his success as he views them. And I really start to pull on the thread of the virtue of endurance, which was one of his keys, and and how important endurance is not only in a transition, but really throughout the throughout someone's professional career. And then lastly, he shares with us a little bit about the value that he's seen professionally in being a constant learner. And he mentioned some courses, free online courses that he's taken, which I will link to in the show notes if you want to see a little bit more about. Dustin, you can follow him on his LinkedIn profile, which I'll also link in the show notes. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about Cameron Brooks, you can find us at Cameron-Brooks.com. I'd also encourage you, if you're a transitioning military officer, wanting tips and tricks and guidelines about making a successful transition, to pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America, written by Roger Cameron. It's in its fourth edition. You can find it on Amazon, both in paperback and in digital form. Okay, without further ado, here's Dustin. All right, Dustin, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your uh, busy day to visit with us. No problem. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, let's jump right into it. Um, Let's start here, as we always do in this podcast. I, I like to help those who are listening um, understand a little bit about your background, who you are, where you come from, especially from the military perspective, kind of who were you before you actually made the transition from the military to corporate America? Sure. Yeah, so I was a Army infantry officer. Um, from I started my active duty uh, in October 2009, wrapped up uh, in 2013. Um, so I did a pretty traditional career path within that. I was a platoon leader, a mortar platoon leader, uh, company XO, and wrapped up as a battalion maintenance officer, which wasn't the most exciting of the positions, but uh, closed out there. Um, deployed to Afghanistan in 2012 and 2013, and I came out of Colorado State University uh, Army ROTC program. Uh, so that's the short version of my military background. Yeah, well, that's helpful. That's helpful for those who are listening. So they'll They'll kind of know, you know, because, listen, I think the question becomes, you know, how does an Army infantry officer move from, as you said, you know, platoon leader, more platoon leader, XO, time maintenance? How do you do kind of the normal, traditional, at least in this case, Army path, and then go into a consulting firm? And so, you know, how did that happen? You know, when you came to a Camera Brooks conference, you didn't only interview with consulting. So, you know, what you interview with and how did you land where you land, where you landed? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of interesting um, how all that played out. So I did a lot of uh, this more sales and general leadership uh, type interviews. Um, Evolution was at the top of my list. So it was certainly a, 
the more most unique interview I had at the time, but it was at the top of my list with a couple others. And then actually, you know, coming into my meeting with you, Pete, um, you know, I thought maybe I did a little better than I did. And, uh, some of those other top ones um, were no's, but that ended up being a good thing. Um, right. Evolution is at the top of the list, but it's um, sometimes it, uh, as a smaller company, it's easier for uh, things to be overshadowed by these big companies, and you don't really right. see the opportunity at a place like Evolution until you get out there for a follow-up interview and you start to learn about the culture mm -hmm. and and those kinds of things, and uh, those are big factors. And you know, so the old adage of you know things work out for a reason um, kind of played out well for me and allowed me to get the view of Evolution um, without distraction, and ended up being a really good fit for me. And, some of the attributes that I have, um, but yeah, not a not a typical company you'd expect. Uh, I don't think going to a Cameron Brooks conference. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell, who who is Evolution? Yep. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so Evolution is a we call it a niche consulting firm. Um, so we primarily work uh, in the business continuity and IT disaster recovery space. So short version, we help companies prepare for disruptive incidents, whether that's you know, something you hear about on the news, fire flood, uh, earthquake, or maybe something you don't hear about where they've got, uh, you know, an internal uh, human error issue that causes their IT systems to go down, uh, you know, for a day or two days, and it's a, a company that's expected to have 24 by 7 uptime. So um, no matter, you know, what they're faced with, we help them understand where they have risk, where they have single points of failure, and then if something does happen, how can they effectively manage that process? Um, so that they're communicating quickly, accurately, uh, avoiding reputational impacts, getting back and up and running as quickly as possible, but also thinking about things in advance and, uh, you know, again, trying to reduce risk and um, eliminate single points of failure. So, again, that's sort of the short version. We are, um, you know, everyone hears about information security and the news. We're expanding into that space as well. Uh, one, because the two are uh, closely related, but uh, also, companies struggle um, as big of an issue as it, is, as it is. Companies really struggle to you know, secure their IT systems and, again, understand where they have risk, where they have gaps, where they need capabilities. And uh, so we see that as a space we can help with uh, yeah, here in the near future. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is expanding. Um, you're a you're a managing consultant, right? Yes, correct. Yep. Tell us what that means. It, maybe from a day-to-day -day perspective, you know, what do you, what does a managing consultant do every day? Sure, yeah. This one's easy in a consulting firm since we uh, track our time pretty closely. So about 70% of my world is uh, delivering uh, projects, delivering professional services. Um, and so, again, that's sort of the, the client-facing piece um, where we're actively engaged at different companies and helping them to understand uh, where they've got their risk. Uh, how they can close those gaps and mitigate risk and how they're going to respond when something does happen, uh, running exercises where we actually simulate events occurring um, and make sure the, the things that we've put in place will actually work in practice. Uh, and also supporting, you know, the incident response efforts. For some of our clients, we stay engaged. Um, and when you have a hurricane season like this or fires in California, we're actively participating in their incident response processes and helping them to manage through that. Uh, so again, that's about 70% of my world. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a lot of variety in there in terms of industry and um, project type. And sometimes we do more of an assessment or an audit. So 
lots of variety there. Um, but 70% of my time is client facing, and then um, you know, I spend about 30% of my time working on the business as well, whether that's uh, business development, uh, trying to uh, sell new projects and get new business in the door, maintain existing relationships, um, managing and coaching. I've got uh, three consultants that I'm directly responsible for. It's not a traditional like direct report relationship because they'll be out uh, working different engagements with different project managers, but I'm ultimately responsible for their uh, development and progress. And then, you know, just other internal things. Uh, right now, I'm pretty focused on helping build out the information security practice, but it could be, um, you know, building a new review process or a, a new process to uh, keep our intellectual property up to date, those kinds of things. So it could be some variety there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the day to day life of uh, managing consultant. Probably similar to what you'd see in another consulting firm uh, from that perspective. And so, when you go to a client, it, are you are you solo, or are there other other folks with you? What what is what is client facing actually look like and mean? Yeah, in your world. Yeah, good question. Yep. Um, so it could mean any of those. Um, typically, a typical project is a team of two to three um, okay. folks on site, so led by a managing consultant. So I'm typically, um, unless it's a really huge engagement, kind of a point person for that. And then I've got a senior consultant or two consultants or a consultant there um, to help, uh, you know, do some of the heavy lifting and the follow-up work and capture all the information and put it together in a package. Um, you know, the there is uh, the on-site weeks are, you know, the, the more engaging part of the role. And I would say that probably, it's not to be a negative, but uh, the more engaging part of the role, the more active part of the, the role. And then we do come back uh, typically and spend a week or two kind of catching up and doing the analysis piece and getting deliverables put together. And the consultants typically play a big role there um, because I may have three, four, or five projects at once you know, all the different consulting teams. And so while I'm out at the next client site, I've got a team back um, putting deliverables together from the previous week, and that way we can keep things rolling and uh, keep a full plate. So are you, it sounds the way you're describing it, you're, you're kind of, you know, you've been promoted now, you've been with the company mm -hmm. and been promoted. So it sounds like you're the point man for multiple projects. And then there are other consultants who, as you said earlier, doing the kind of doing the heavy heavy lifting, doing some of the anal heavier analysis and things of that nature. Am I interpreting that right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so I started at that sort of consulting level and worked my way up. And we've got about 30 total at Evolution, um, about five or six, maybe seven on the software side. So that leaves about 23 on the consulting side, and there's about five managing consultants. So that gives you an idea of the okay. spread. You got five yeah. managers, you know, each with four or five projects, and then various consulting teams uh, from the rest of the pool there supporting them. So when you travel, are you is it like one, one two in two excuse me two out one in or one in one out? What does that what does that average look like for you? In terms of days, or you're talking weeks? Sir. Yeah, kind of. We I'm sorry, yeah. I was talking weeks. Yep, yep. I just wanted to make sure I understood. Yeah. I would say it kind of varies. Um, on average, I'm probably on the road 40 to 50% of the time, and 
um, okay. yeah, usually it's a week on, week off, and then two weeks on, week off. Somewhere in there, it just kind of varies with the project load, too. If we've got a, a really big engagement, um, you know, it might require some more, more of the follow-up work and higher-level analysis. I might spend a week on the road and two weeks at home kind of catching up. So I know that's a, that's a long non-answer, but I think the easiest way to think about it is 40 to 50% of my time, uh, you know, is on the road. On the road, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I'm sure every, like you said, every week has its own, presents its own set of challenges and uh, unique opportunities. Now, how far, you guys are in Ohio. I mean, are you going out yep. to California and Texas and Florida and, you know, New England? What's the span? Yeah, all of the above. And I actually, I'm in a great uh, central hub now. I work uh, from home in Denver. Um, oh, nice. So that's a nice perk after a couple of years. We my wife and I had a kid, and we moved home, so that evolution was oh, I didn't really, nice enough. Yeah, to, I didn't even yeah. I didn't even know that. I I thought you were still in in Ohio. But we've got a crazy two year old, and said it was time to pack it back to Colorado. So uh, wow, and and certainly you can do everything you need to do, obviously. Yeah. Um, and how often do you go? That that kind of begs another question. How often do you go into the home office then? Yeah, I try. So it kind of depends on my other travel schedule. But I try to get back once a month. That's this year. Okay. Um, that's been more like once every other month. Um, and that's, you know, I try to dedicate two to three days to, to the people that I um, coach and develop. And uh, so yeah, schedules have to work out and all that. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. I want to come back to a point you made, just kind of keep keeping on the theme of your company, just to, you know, again, give – give those who listen to this podcast a little bit more perspective of, you know, a sample company and what's out there. So you mentioned mm -hmm. going on a follow-up interview, Evolution being at the top of the list, and then you used the word culture, and we didn't go very far down that road, but yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for exactly what's the Evolution culture, but why? What did you mean by that? Why was that important to you? What were you trying to evaluate at the time? Just give give those listeners who, who are, you yeah. know, walking into a transition, tell them what you were thinking. Yeah, so once I got through sort of the, you know, the conferences, uh, quite a lot uh, of information all at once. So you get a day or two separated from that and you start to, you know, create some clarity around um, the positions and um, you've got a chance to, you know, modify things a little bit. But, yeah, I started to think more about it and, um you know, I, I interviewed with uh, a couple of folks named Susan and Jackie there, and like the more I thought about it, the more you know those people had impressed me, and um, you know came off as very intelligent, very driven, um, and a very unique. Maybe working in a field that um, they've really been able to put their footprint on and, and drive a lot of that, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the development around business continuity, and really drive that industry. Um, and then when I got there, it turned out that there were a whole bunch of Susan and Jackie's, um, you know, working in evolution. So I uh, was by myself, which was a, a kind of a neat experience. I was the only follow-up um, interviewee, interviewee to go to evolution and just was really struck by the people. I mean, it was just a bunch of really smart, uh, driven people who happened to find their um, uh, they they found an industry where they could really come in and make an impact and almost be entrepreneurs and 
you know, they could have landed somewhere else, but they happened to land in business continuity. For them, it was about you know, finding a space where they could solve problems more than the specific thing that they were doing. And so uh, seeing that culture, you know, uh, very little bureaucracy, lots of smart people, lots of independence, um, mm-hmm. lots of creative problem solving. You know, we, we have a quote. It's a, uh, it's a good quote. It might sound a little corny, but, you know, I've come to really believe in it. And that's the best idea can come from anywhere. And so, you know, day one, you throw, throw me onto a project and not just who we talk about, like a consultant doing a lot of the follow-up and stuff, but it's not just a, a paper pusher, so to speak. You know, you've got a voice and you're contributing and active, and I even saw that in the interview process. Um, and so that those attributes really came to light. Um, starting, you know, again, at kind of a few days removed from the conference, and then as I worked through the follow-up process, um, you know, there really wasn't anything else out there uh, that quite rose to that level and you know, had the same feel. Uh, and people were looking for different things, and I didn't really know what I was looking for necessarily until I uh, at least found the best match for the time uh, at Evolution. Could, wow, this is this really kind of dovetails right into uh, where I where I wanted to let the conversation go, and that is. Okay, so you said the best ideas can come can come from anywhere, which I appreciate. Um, it sounds like maybe you were thrown in, relatively speaking. I know you were pro- at the mo- at the time you were under a managing consultant, but consultant. But um, you know, how did you take your mili- your fresh fresh from the military, battalion maintenance officer, and XO and two leader, all those things? Uh, how did you take that experience and immediately come up with? you know, good ideas that can come from anywhere and contribute to the business? I know it's a broad question, but you, you know what I'm driving at there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, so I, I was thinking about this, and I think the big three, so I think there's three big things uh, that the military teaches you that enables you to be successful in a consulting role, specifically in a small company where you're expected to contribute right away. Not only are you able to, but you're expected to. Um, and I think there are three big things. There's flexibility, uh, there's endurance, and there's the leadership piece. You know, they're not just pulling in a warm body um, and the ability to come in, take information, react to that information, and honestly, just apply logic and common sense to it uh, and put a different view. Use your unique experiences to view that in a different way uh, often contributes to the conversations. And you see things that, you know, at the time I'd, was working with a managing consultant that had been in evolution, I think about six years, Jackie, the same person I interviewed with. And, um, you know, I just see things a little bit differently and she valued that and uh, the flexibility to just jump into a situation. You, you don't learn that in the military, you don't survive. So that's huge. Um, you know, the endurance piece, uh, you know, just being able to work some long hours and, and fight through things and find the information you need to make conclusions. Again, and something that's key in the military, and then obviously the leadership piece. And uh, that doesn't always mean I don't lead a huge team, um, but that also means that, you know, my actions, and I don't have a huge client base either, four or five at a time, you know. Um, even as a junior consultant, your actions then have a very direct impact uh, to the people that are around you and the clients that are around you. Um, you know, and that can have a huge impact on the business as well because we're talking about a relatively small number of clients and so uh, those are obviously three 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 key things so 
I want to go a little bit deeper on the idea of endurance. And the, re the reason mm -hmm. is, is because mm -hmm. I think this is one of the things that military officers struggle the most with. And let me set this up for just a moment because I think it's really important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, military officers leave the service, um, and a lot of times as they're leaving, they're under, even as they're leaving, they're under an extreme operational tempo that that it's like, I'm glad to be leaving the military because this op tempo is killing me. And yeah. then and then it's almost like you go to the business world and you step into op tempo, and it you're, there's no deployments on the horizon. You know, you're not really working weekends. I mean, there may be a weekend or two where you're catching up or whatever it might be, but there's not a ton of weekend work. But, but when you're working, especially in that first two to three years, really in the first yeah. year, but even in two to three years, um, it, it's hard because no one is, you know, you're just expected to work and no one's, you know, there's not a, you know, not a lot, hey, you're, we're going to promote you in six months or you're going to go to the career course in a year or there's no, there's right. no obvious progression every single day. And so, okay, I can just endure this because I know I'm going to get promoted. I would make the argument, I could say that to people and it'd be true, but when you're, you know, in the moment and, and showing up every day and chopping wood and I don't see, a, you know, I don't see where this is going, it becomes very frustrating. And, and I don't talk to a lot of people but I talk to enough alumni who call back in and say, hey, man, help me. I'm struggling here. And, my, and a lot of times my advice is the same. You know, keep your head down, keep chopping wood, and, and, and light will emerge. And that's exactly what happens, I mean, to a person. Now, yeah. you didn't call me, Dustin. Sounds like you were okay. enduring. You, you, know, you used the word endurance. I mean, that, that has, a, that has a, a connotation of hardship and suffering and pain, you know, so to speak. I don't, I don't mean to oversell that, but... Yeah. Um, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, that's going to happen. And you just, yeah. I get, think you just yeah. got to know that going in. Yeah, I think so a little bit. And I, I don't necessarily mean endurance in a negative way either. Right. Right. Um, you know, but focusing on two, I would add to like, keep, there's an element of like keeping your head down, worrying about yourself, but you know, also translating things and understanding why you're doing something and, you know, creating goals, uh, whether that's project work or operational work, whatever, and, and setting targets and working towards those targets and, you know, taking the right breaks. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I view it as a negative, but there's certainly that element there, and you certainly got to reestablish yourself, and uh, those are all okay things. And, yeah, to your, to your point, like, I, I have this conversation more with, um, you know, we hire some undergrads as well, fresh out of college, and they get frustrated about their development and, you know, sort of a similar conversation. You've got to um, keep your head down, worry about yourself, fight through, remember why you're doing this. Um, yeah. And, and similar things, the same thing, you know, it ends up working out. I don't know if that's yeah, well, the you, comforting you said, thought, but it works. Yep. You, right. You said, you know, when you were describing endurance, long hours, fight through this, you know what I mean? That that that's the thing that I think people need to walk in and appreciate. And you know, it's just gonna. And then and then you just said something that I think is really important as well. And maybe you can maybe you can go a little bit deeper on this. You said mm -hmm. earlier you said long hours fight through this, but you also just said and you need to reestablish yourself as a military yeah. officer. I think that is crucial, and I think that's why senior military officers leaving after twenty or or twenty five years 
don't make the leap to the business world like a JMO does is because you have longevity and you can, you can, you can take advantage of your leadership experience and your, as your time in the service, but also you're early enough in your career where you can reestablish yourself. And now that you're four or five years down the road, you're obviously you're, you're well-established in your um, industry and in your career field and in your company, but, but obviously you weren't, you know, you didn't step out as established where you were leaving a place where you were quote, well-established. Can you, I guess I've made the point, but tell me what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. And I, I think you've got to recognize that, especially, you know, I was just a four-year officer. I mean, to say it, I was just a four-year, but I I had a short time in the military and was pretty young and I looked young. (laughs) Um, I've got a young sounding name being Dusty. I go by Dusty day to day. Um, And so, yeah, that's critical to recognize it and um, come in ready to reestablish yourself and demonstrate value. You know, the military, um, being a military officer, people know there's value there. They're willing to take a risk and hire a military officer, but that doesn't mean that um, you come in established uh, and you've got to prove, especially in a small company um, where, you know, 80% of the expenses is employee expense and all the revenue is directly built by uh, you working hours. And, you know, we always do hourly projects. But anyway, that's irrelevant. Like, we generate revenue by working and working efficiently. And the less efficient we work, the less uh, margin we have. And so, yeah, sure. it's critical. Um, I think that's important to recognize. And, and look at it as a challenge, again, not a negative, like a really neat opportunity uh, for you to go in and get established in an organization and become a leader two, three, four, five years later. Absolutely. Um, what about development? You know, I know that mm-hmm. we, we knew each other. Uh, it's been a few years since we've caught up here, but mm-hmm. um, when, we, when we were working together and you were making your transition, obviously you were active in your, your professional development. Have you been able I know, yeah. I, I, you know, I know you're a busy guy, but you also have some plane ride time that may be a little downtime. Yeah. Do you get a chance to engage in professional development much? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I found that, I mean, that's really the key beyond the, some of the other attributes we've talked about. You've got to be a constant learner. Um, so r- right now, just to give you some context, um, as we expand into information security, I'm trying to become an information security guy. Um, so I'm, I'm pursuing, it's called a CISP certification, and so that's my big target right now. Um, and actually, an idea for veteran Syracuse has a great program where they'll pay for an industry certification um, right. and give you the training and background to do that. And I'm actually pursuing it through that program. Um, okay. Now, are you using the? Are you actually using the Veterans Career Transition Program since it's over four years since you've transitioned? No, 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 no. It's a it's a separate program. Uh, okay. Run totally independent okay. by Syracuse. Um, it's called the Onward okay, to cool. Opportunity. But, yeah, it's really cool. Okay. Um, but, I mean, that's just the current resource. Um, there's lots of other veteran and non-veteran resources out there. But, yeah, I think it's critical um, definitely to do that. And especially, you know, I, I work in a risk-based industry, so it could be my bias. But, um, you know, I think it's critical for all business people to understand risk and understand technology, uh, at least at a base level, have a working knowledge there. and. So I would encourage, you know, folks beyond just uh, basic business knowledge to make sure you're at least somewhat fluent in those languages as well. How can how can someone get more fluent in risk? Yeah, 
you've got to kind of live in that world a little bit, and I think you will uh, no matter what, but um, you know, there's risk in everything that we do. Um, you know, I live in the risk world every day, but you know, in the military there's risks, uh, obviously life safety risks, but there's risks to engagement and there's, uh, there's risks to hiring someone and like making decisions based on risk, what has the most potential impact here and those kinds of things is really, really important. So I don't know if there's like a good catch-all resource out there for that, um, but if you, what I've done is, uh, you know, in my job, but just in my internal responsibilities too, is making sure you kind of work through an internal risk management process and like think of things in that context has helped, um, uh, helped me to do that. And I, I don't know, I have a great advice, you know, for someone outside of the space too, but like when we establish governance committees and everything, all the decision making is risk-based. Um, so it's just sort of a natural evolution for me. Um, so when you say risk-based, though, yep. Yep. well, yeah, right. So I, actually, I do, but it's going to come out in the form of a question. When you okay. say risk-based, and, and you address yep. something that I think is a, something that military officers often struggle with, you know, hey, Pete, you know, when you say risk management, I, you know, mm -hmm. we give safety briefings, and we're talking about, you know, life and death, which you address, and I appreciate it, yep. but but it's, you know, and, and that can be a that can be a part of it, but... I think it has more to do with evaluating every situation. You use the word engagement, you know, combat training or scenario, whatever it might be, and, and asking the, I don't know, this is the question. Can you just ask a simple question like, what's everything that could go wrong? What, or, or what would be the five biggest things that would keep us yeah. from reaching our goals and objectives? Is that fair? I think for like an engagement at a project level, potentially. Um, you know, where are the pain points? It, and it starts to, like, even before you look at the engagement, is this a high-risk client? Um, you know, if, if something were to go wrong, what are the potential reputational impacts for Appolution? Um, do we rely on this person as part of a larger network uh, or this company as part of a larger network? What's the dollar value? Um, and uh, so that starts to come into play on the very front end, and that impacts how we staff a project. Um, you know, a super high-risk project might be managed by a director, for example. And then, um, yeah, and then as you go through a phase or a piece of the engagement, again, it's that understanding, like, where could something go wrong? Where are the pain points? Um, those kinds of uh, questions. And that's outside. That, that would be for any engagement outside of the risk world as well. So, yeah, it's kind of working sure. through that, understanding where you've got vulnerabilities. And maybe maybe that's it. You know, maybe as a military officer, the idea is just be a little bit more sensitive or aware mm -hmm. or cognizant of of those things. You know, and 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 you know, live your life with a healthy healthy amount of um, I don't know, fear is the right word. It's probably not the right word there. Yeah. But you know, just kind of walk around thinking, all right, well, let me do a better job of mitigating issues, challenges, things that would reach help us reach, you know, and I think, you know, it's interesting. I think most military officers do that. Maybe that's what's allowed you to be so successful so quickly at Evolution is, is you know, the fact that in the military, we, we kind of do already do that, and it's kind of baked into different processes, regardless of the service you're in. You know, in the Army, of course, it was the military decision-making process, but every service has their own um, way of uh, creating creating um, plans and mitigating risks, et cetera. So maybe it's just doing a better job of having that top of mind. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I think knowing you're doing it and being deliberate about it, you probably do some of it a day in the context of a military officer, but maybe being a little more deliberate about it will help. That's a great word. Future. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great word. More deliberate. Um, You mentioned um, some risk, um, working on um, risk, but also looking toward your CISP certification. Now, did you did you begin to kind of look out on the landscape and go, you know, I need to get smarter at that, or or was that targeted? Is that the best thing going? And 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 there's a this is like I have three questions kind of tapped all into this one thing. So just help me appreciate it. You know, is that is that good advice for all military officers? Because I wonder, you know, if a CISP is relevant in certain situations. I'm not even sure what a CISP is. You'll have to educate me on that. Um, yeah. Is it relevant in all situations or or should a military officer not pursue that um, just because there's value in other, maybe more broad or general yeah. um, um, educational opportunities as they're preparing to transfer transition, and then and then perhaps when they're out there and they recognize, oh, I need I need a little bit more specialized. Tell me tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, so it, it's pretty specialized, and there's also experience requirements to you can still pass the exam, but there's experience requirements to get the. CISP stamp, so to speak, um, okay. in the information security industry. So for me, this is a little more targeted. Um, where I started um, with trying to expand just more in the – where my big gap was in, was in the technology space. Um, so where I started broadly and where I would uh, direct people towards is there's great online free platforms that teach college-level courses on technology and anything else you want to know. Uh, the two best ones that I've found are Coursera.org uh, and edX, uh, edletterx.org. Um, those are awesome resources. So they've got college-level courses taught by great professors on there. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily something you can put on your resume, but in terms of right. learning to speak the language of IT or uh, data or whatever, um, anything right. marketing, um, those are some great, great, sure. great resources. Now those are and and the interesting thing about those two in particular is you can you can and not all of their stuff is free but enough of it is free yeah. Um, yeah. and you can download an app to your phone and yeah. then turn around and download an entire course so you don't have to be you know logged in you if you got enough big storage on you know internal memory storage on your phone or or device. You can download, so I, I think those are cool. Any any recommendations? Have you off the top of your head? I know I, I'm kind of catching off guard here. Any yeah. any ones that you think would be good for a military officer to tap into? Yeah, there's some good. Uh, so if you have an interest in security, um, there's a uh, on edX. There's a whole. And if you wanted to pay for it, you can actually get a, a certification, but you can take the courses for free if you're not worried about the certification. There's a whole course on security, which will also give you like a solid technology background. I think it's called the Cybersecurity MicroMasters. Uh, so if you're interested in the technical side of security, great course, great set of courses. Professor's a little bit, uh, he's a computer guy, I'll put it that way. Um, but if you yeah. can filter through that, uh, really awesome. A more broad Excellent. one uh, that, I, that I took back in the day, that wasn't that long ago, but when I started, I, it was on Coursera. I think it was just called um, Computer History Technology and Overview something like that, but it wrapped in uh, you know, the history of 
computers with World War II and the Enigma machine okay. and breaking that code and like wrapped right. it all the way through. Well, how does the internet work today? But it, yeah, it's interesting, interesting for the history buffs. Um, it's extremely yeah. helpful. So um, those are the two that kind yeah, of I love it. pop into my mind. Yeah. Well, I'll try to I'll try to find those. I, I'm familiar with both of those platforms, so I'll try to find both of those and try to link them in the uh, in the notes just so folks okay. can uh, can quickly and quickly go find them. That's really great advice. I'll shoot them to you. I'll shoot all the courses I've taken over to you okay. if you're interested in. Oh yeah, that'd be great, man. Yeah, do that and I'll uh when I uh, when I get this thing teed up I'll I'll put it in the notes. Okay, final question kind of landing the plane here. Um and it's the advice question that we love to mm -hmm. ask on, on this podcast because I think uh um good things come from it. Um, you know, what's the best advice that you've received yeah. lately? And and you know, because you said I you know good ideas can come from anywhere. You know, who, yep. it doesn't matter where you got the advice from, obviously. Um, and then what's some of the best advice that you've given lately? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, this ties in you know, to the things we've been talking about. But the best advice I've been given lately is to focus on less. So uh, that might sound weird, but I'll give you some context here. So uh, with this whole information security expansion, and you know, I have a uh, strong desire to get into that space personally as well. Like I had this whole giant development plan written out, which involved potentially going back to school and getting a master's and just all kinds of stuff. Um, and so somebody told me like, tone it back. You've still got a day job. Like focus on less, less make a roadmap, you know, bite off manageable chunks. Uh, you know, when we talk about endurance too, like you can't, um, I can't run a marathon at five-minute miles. Um, you know, it's similar here. Um, you know, you working through something like that's only going to last so long. So that was really, really important and has been successful uh, in practice for me over the past couple months, um, keeping things manageable. Yeah. Um, so, and then on the the given side, so <laughs> uh, this is for a specific individual, but you know, I think it's relevant. Uh, it sounds like common sense, but the best advice I've given someone lately is to pick pick their battles. Um, and I guess it's in a similar uh, context. You know, you've got somebody that's um, everything is a crisis, um, whether it's, you know, an internal PowerPoint slide that's never going to see in somebody external and the formatting's off a little bit. This is extreme examples. Like, um, they treat that in a similar light as, like, you know, a significant risk on a project. Uh, and they don't right. deserve to be treated in a similar light. And so uh, I think that's really good advice. Like, pick your battles. Which hills are you willing to die on? Which hills are you willing to right. sacrifice for, so to speak? Uh, and focus yeah. on that and let some of the other stuff go um, or deprioritize it and deal with it later. Not everything's a crisis. Um, yeah, it ties back into like, the, whole approach, the whole Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you a following question of that real quick, and not not necessarily specific to the person you gave the advice to, but just really for anyone. Why is that? Why do we? Why do people? Why do I? Why do you? Why does anyone struggle potentially to let some of this stuff go? Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I have a great answer. I think it's harder for people that are detail oriented and want things. Yeah. You know, maybe they're perfectionists a little bit. Um, right. You know, it can be hard to let things go, and um, right. It, it, people that are reactionary too. Again, like we all got our strengths and weaknesses, and 
you know, being reactionary makes it harder because you're reacting to just whatever's coming at you, and in that case, everything's a big deal. Um, right. And so, again, kind of taking a step back, and if that's you, if you tend to be detail-oriented or you tend to be a reactionary, recognizing that in yourself, recognizing the strengths it gives you, but also the potential weaknesses and tendencies right. to treat everything like a big deal. So I don't know if that totally answers your question, but... That's yeah, I, I don't know if there's a great question. I, I just wanted to get your insight. I, I and I think that's right. I and I think for people that detail oriented, people that are go getters and you know want to be in want to be in 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 everything, myself included. Um, I think that's probably right. Well, yeah. this has been great, my friend. I uh, I think this will be extremely helpful for some out there just to kind of get an idea of what you know, consulting is place, places to go and get better professionally as they're working through their transition. So uh, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I want, you know, you may get a flurry of uh, LinkedIn views here. Cause I'm going to link your LinkedIn to, okay. uh, to the notes as well. I'd like for people to see, be able to see your path a little bit um, as well and, uh, and kind of go from there. But anyway, this has been a great, great conversation. Really appreciate the half hour or so that you've been able to contribute to us. Uh, and the help you've been able to provide others making the transition. Thanks so much for your time today, Dustin. Thank you. It was fun. I appreciate it.